Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting today's Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills that you are looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs and get $50 off your first job post. Go to linkedin.com slash fool. It's Monday, February 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio, Mr. Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to talk buyouts. We're going to talk Oscars. We're going to talk insurance. Hang on, people. We're going to talk insurance. <laughs> but no, that's actually going to be well. Anyway, we'll get to the insurance. Let's start with uh, the restaurant industry, and in particular, Restaurant Brands International, which is the decidedly unsexy name of the parent company of Burger King, Popeyes, and Tim Hortons. Uh, fourth quarter profits and revenue for restaurant brands slightly higher than expected, and all of the credit. 100% of the credit goes to Popeyes. Yep, there's no question there. Because when we talk about same store sales, and I think it was on either on this show or on Motley Fool Money last week, we were talking about Chipotle, which put up same store sales growth of 13%. And I said, boy, most restaurants would kill for that. <laughs> Can I interest you in same store sales growth of 38%? Yeah. 38%. That looks comical. Like when you look at the chart, as you and I both did this morning, it looks ridiculous. But now we know what that spicy chicken sandwich is worth. Well, and if if you know if you listen to Ron Gross's um, scathing, scathing review, it I was mean, not a good review. You wonder how many people are forward going forward are actually rather and give that sandwich a try. Now, I I know I'm I'm not I haven't tried it yet, and I don't know that I actually will. Part of that is just because I'm. Probably too lazy, and I don't really like eating a lot of fast food. But I do feel like this for for restaurant brands. This this really does feel like their McDonald's breakfast moment. I mean, it, it was a little bit less. Um, I think it was a little bit less expected. I mean, they they certainly planned this sandwich. Obviously, uh, I don't know that they even really expected the results that they're getting. But you you take what you can get in this line of work because it's not always easy uh, to come across. And I think the big question for restaurant brands is can they sustain it? Because I mean, yes, they are diversified and that they have Popeyes and Tim Hortons and Burger King. But this really is. I mean, the, the the growth is coming from this chicken sandwich, and 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 so the question is, is that sustainable? And and we don't know that. I mean, this it's kind of like that greater investing lesson, and no pun intended, but you're not looking to put all of your eggs in one basket. In this case, you don't want to put all of your chicken sandwiches in one basket. And I think when you look at restaurant brands, I mean, this really is a Burger King business first and foremost. I mean, Burger King is responsible for close to seventy percent of the company's total revenue. Um, and Popeyes is actually the smallest revenue generator of the three. But that said, uh, the laggard really is is Tim Hortons, and that to me is the bigger question because I, I don't have any doubt that they can continue to perform well with Popeyes, even if the chicken sandwich doesn't bring this explosive growth going forward. And it probably won't, but it'll probably do pretty well. It's been received well, because a lot of people think it's really good. Um, The question for me is, what are they going to do with Tim Hortons? Because Tim Hortons is is really... This is kind of like the Pizza Hut. I was just going to say, this is like the conversation we had about Yum! Brands, where it was yet another quarter of KFC and Taco Bell are doing just fine, thank you very much, and Pizza Hut just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm almost speechless because I'm 
genuinely surprised that when Pizza Hut was handed the opportunity that they were of Papa John's and all of the controversy around John Schnatter and the NFL deal and the NFL deal, they still can't make that concept work. No, I think you probably <laughs> we could make the argument at this point now that you know Tim Hortons could prep for a spinoff. And Pizza Hut could prep for a spinoff. You put those two together, you know what their ticker would be, Chris? LAG. Because those two together will just lag the market for quarters and years to come, I bet. And I don't know why that is on the Pizza Hut side. Pizza is one of those things. I mean, Domino's recognized a while back, hey, listen, we're not we're not selling a lot of stuff because apparently our food isn't that great. So let's make good food. And and for whatever reason, Tim Hortons isn't quite resonating as well. And maybe it is maybe it is a a geography thing. I mean, it's it's certainly not a brand that I think has much opportunity south of the border, right? I mean, when you when you bring that thing into the United States, I just don't think it's going to do uh, what it could possibly do in Canada. But but comps of minus four point three percent. Now, I will say, management attributed some of that to their rewards program, and they're essentially investing a lot in this rewards program to stoke traffic, bring people back in. And, and, and I appreciate that. That makes sense. We see a lot of these restaurants do it. And, and Starbucks, I think, is one of the companies out there who, who really wrote the book on how to do it well. Tim Hortons, maybe these are just some of the lumps that come with investing in that. Uh, but but it's it's taking a little bit of a hit in the short run for hopefully a little bit more long term sustainability. That remains to be seen whether it's really going to work out. I'm not that optimistic. Whereas I feel like with Burger King and Popeyes, there is a more universal um, geographical reach where people people are going to probably uh, flock to those brands a little bit more consistently. Um, so for me, you know, Burger King and Popeyes. Strength there. Tim Hortons, a lot of questions. They're going to continue to make investments in that rewards program. But I mean, this is a company that has some big aspirations with somewhere in the neighborhood of 27,000 total restaurants today. Their aim is for 40,000 restaurants in, in the next eight to 10 years. And so you got to believe that most of that is going to come on the Burger King and Popeye's side, and and it doesn't. Uh, we very well may see them make another acquisition and bring another um, brand under their umbrella, so to speak. That remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, for all of the success that Popeye's has had, Burger King, I get it. Um, Tim Hortons is the real big question mark, and and I don't know what they do to fix that. To go back to something you said earlier regarding can Popeye sustain this? No, no. Any, <laughs> Anyone who's looking at this thinking, boy, can they do this every quarter? No. Nope. You'd like to see maybe not 38% growth, but you'd like to see, um, given the comps that they had a year ago, then yeah, you'd like to see some double digit growth. But when we get to 12 months from now, Honestly, if they can do single low single digit growth off of a 38% comp bump, then fantastic. I think the other restaurant that has to be looking very closely at this is McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And Chris Kemchinski, who's been CEO for maybe almost three months now, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with their chicken sandwich and what they're able to do with it. Well, we we have. Gotten some boots on the ground research on that already, and apparently they've got some work to do on that on that front. I mean, that's a really competitive space. I mean, who would have figured we'd 
be sitting here just shining such a light on the chicken sandwich. I mean, this really has become front and center for the quick service uh, restaurant industry, hasn't it? I mean, it's it has, amazing. but you know, the oper- the business opportunity for McDonald's and everyone else who's not Chick Fil A is that Chick Fil A is closed on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that is. And if you can get just you know, you don't need to get all of their business. You just need to get some of their business. You need to get some of it. And and, and again, I think. Um, you know, to your point about the chicken sandwich with Popeyes, no, it's not sustainable, but it seems to be a good product. Ron Gross's review, yeah. be damned. Um, <laughs> I I do think, man, it would be really neat to see them come up with something like that for the Burger King side of the business. That would be extremely meaningful um, because, yeah, again, it, as as great of a success as the chicken sandwich with Popeyes has been. It's still the smallest part of the business, and and that has to be taken into consideration. This is a Burger King story first and foremost. So I bet you management is is in a room somewhere trying to figure out how do we capture that lightning in a bottle for Burger King. And maybe they thought the Impossible Whopper had that um, had that potential. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's gonna. I mean. I don't know what it is, but it does seem like no matter what, it's going to revolve around chicken in some way, shape, or form. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Eric Potter in Columbia, Missouri. And this is a timely question because this morning we have some not hard news, but reports in the buyout space, potentially Xerox and HP getting together, L Brands looking to spin off Victoria's Secret, potentially, which leads us to Eric's question about a company called Instructure. Eric writes, I've been considering an investment in Instructure. I see they've had a buyout offer of $47.60 and talk of a competing offer in the range of $54 to $57 a share. Shareholders are going to vote on the first offer on February 13th, and at least one analyst has suggested that the potential acquirer could increase its offer price. Meanwhile, the stock is trading at $47.57. Investing for a potential gain of three pennies per share sounds like a tremendous waste of time. <laughs> it is. I agree. <laughs> um, uh, hoping for a 13% gain is better, however, uh, but the current stock price seems to indicate the market believes shareholders will approve the original offer. Um, do you have any insight into their situation in particular, and or how investors should think in general about buying a company that has buyout offers and rumors swirling about. Thanks. Love the show. Uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the question. Um, thoughts on either specifically in, uh, in structures situation or just buyouts in general? Yeah, I mean, let's look at both because I do. I, I do feel like it's a very good. Question that we always want to revisit. I mean, we always talk about we won't we won't invest in a company based on an acquisition thesis, right? I'm not going to buy shares in a business just because I think it might be acquired. If you already own shares of the business and then there are acquisition rumors flowing around, then I mean that's just part of the deal. I mean that happens uh, all the time. You got to dig in a little bit and understand better. Um, but but I, I would not invest in a business just based on an acquisition or, in the case of Instructure, thinking that maybe there's some type of arbitrage play there where uh, a, a potential higher bid might come in. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. It's, it's really difficult to say. Um, and You could be intimately familiar with the business and, and, and have everything nailed down and still be wrong. It's just a matter of, of, of the interest level out there and the potential acquirers. Now, when we talk about in structure, uh, 
Uh, th- I mean, this is an interesting business. Now, for listeners who don't know what Instructure is, uh, this is a, a SaaS business. They provide applications for learning, assessment, and performance management through their SaaS business. And they, they focus on primarily educational institutions. So, they have two platforms, Canvas, which is learning management for kindergarten through 12th grade and higher education. Then, they also have this other part of the business called Bridge, which is essentially um, an employee development and engagement platform. So, think big corporations. They might use uh, Instructure's Bridge offering in order to to service continuing education or something like that. And by the way, I've never heard of Instructure. Right. But with one kid in college and one in high school, if you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it's the company that owns Canvas. Oh, okay. Got chances it. are, yeah, chances <laughs> are it. they know it well. And yeah, I think it is, it's a good example of one of those companies. You may not know that name, but but the products that they offer become a little bit more familiar uh, once you start poking around. And I think, so, it, you know, Instructure, I think, is a business that has a lot of potential. I mean, the mission of this business, you got to love the mission here. It's to help people learn and develop from their first day of school to their last day of work. I think we can all get behind that. And so, I really do. I feel like there's a lot of potential with the business, and I felt so much so that it actually was a stock on my radar in the augmented reality service, because they started incorporating some augmented reality features in there and some of their partners, whether it was Apple or Microsoft. So, there's a lot of potential there just from what they do and the partners that they are saddling up with. When we go to the actual acquisition here, I, it's it's anybody's guess as to whether a higher bid comes in. Now there was a 35 day go shop period, and as as the email noted, there's going to be a meeting on the 13th where shareholders can voice their dissent if they care. The acquirer, I think it's worth noting who the acquirer is. It's Tama Bravo, and that is the same firm that bought Ellie May a little while back. And Ellie May was the mortgage software provider that we all, uh, a number of us here, really, really liked a lot. They had just a very admirable competitive position. We felt like they got Ellie May for a steal. So it all kind of goes to say, Toma Bravo really they kind of know what they're they kind of know what they're doing, and and so I would not be surprised at all to see this acquisition go through at the offered price. Uh, again, anything can happen. And we'll learn more on this actual date of the 13th, where there's a meeting and you'll find some potential dissent or potential counteroffers. My guess is that this probably goes through at the price offered. It's a neat business, but it's not a business that didn't have some challenges and the growth. The growth wasn't quite there. Quite there. The bridge. The bridge offering. The employee focused offering. Has been having a lot of trouble, so it really is primarily a canvas story. Um, again, like the business, I just I just don't know that I would count on a counter offer coming in. That said, it's certainly possible. I just don't. I wouldn't bet on it. Isn't it an absolute certainty that there are investors, just a few investors out there, who actually are looking at this? Like, I can make three pennies per share. One hundred percent certainty, <laughs> particularly in this day and age of zero cost commissions. Uh, quick shout out to LinkedIn. Hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help your business grow, but it shouldn't take time away from your other priorities. And with LinkedIn jobs, it doesn't have to. That's because LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business 
grow. And we've talked about this before. Like I feel like anytime we talk about culture, we're we're actually talking about the soft skills. I mean, in this environment with unemployment being as low as it is, yes, obviously you want people who have the qualifications, but you also want to make sure that they actually fit in with your place of employment. You can find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You get the first $50 off. Just go to linkedin.com/fool. That's linkedin.com/fool. Get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, Markel, the specialty insurance company, uh, reported uh, its fourth quarter results last week. And if you just looked at the headline, you'd think, oh boy, maybe not such a great quarter. And in fact, <laughs> shares of Markel are up 10% oh, since they yeah. reported a week ago. It was a good um, week. And this, once again, this is the, the, the very quiet. Steadily great business. <laughs> it is. It is. And I, I like the way when you go through their fourth quarter results, instead of like their their focus is very much on the full year. I mean, this is just not a company that focuses on the short term. And um, with that in mind, I wanted to just talk a little bit about something that, that came up in the call. The very beginning of the call, um, they just, they, they, there's a passage in there that really shines a light on what this business is about, and I think it's something that encapsulates our foolish investing philosophy and why it works. And they they were looking at this 10-year stretch. They were talking about 10 years ago in 2009 versus today, and how far along they've come in that decade. And so, just to go through some of the numbers real quick, 10 years ago in 2009, the total revenues of Markel were $2 billion. In 2019, $9.5 billion. Of that $2 billion 10 years ago, they earned uh, the earned premiums for their insurance operations were $1.8 billion. So, almost all dependent really on that insurance business. Today, the earned premiums were $5 billion. And so, we're seeing signs of a more diversified business. 10 years ago, the recurring interest and dividend portion of their investment returns were about $250 million. Remember, this is an insurance company, they run an investment portfolio and a really good one, I might add. $250 million 10 years ago. In 2019, that's $450 million. And then finally, Markel Ventures, which is another favorite part of my, I just love this part of the business. Markel Ventures produced revenue of $86 million in 2019, or in 2009. In 2019, that was over $2 billion. And so, number one, the numbers just tell you the story of why this stock has done well over time. But also, just that passage in the call with that focus on that 10 year window, to me, it was just so utterly big F foolish. I just, I loved reading it. I think it's a great lesson for not only people who invest the way we invest, but also for people who are coming into our universe now. When they want to learn a little bit more about us, I would point them to this passage and say, this really does tell the tale. That's the kind of stuff that we're looking for. And the, hey, let's look back 10 years, that would hold less water if 10 years ago, the stock didn't do what it did. Like, Ten years ago, the stock's at around three hundred fifty dollars a share. Today, it's over thirteen hundred dollars a share. Yeah. So that whole well, let's forget the quarter we just had. Let's look back ten years. There's a way to do that if you're not actually performing, where you're just sort of covering your butt. It's just like, well, please don't look at these numbers. Look at the look at the long term. It's like, no, they're just. They're just very quietly, methodically crushing it. Year, yeah, year after and, year. And I mean, we we could sit here and rattle off any number of numbers through any window of time to try to express that point. But 
I mean, listeners, all you have to do is just go to the stock chart and look over it over any any you know long period of time. Go to their annual letter uh, every year. I mean, you, they they put all of that stuff in there for you to see. And there's a reason why we call it our baby Berkshire because they really are building this business very much in that model. Um, and co CEO Tom Gaynor. Uh, I mean, we've obviously had him here before. I've spoken to him a number of times. Gone down to that meeting. It, it just just a lot of good things about this company, and, and they continue to execute. I mean, there are three operating engines. They call them operating engines of the business. It's insurance, investments, and Markel Ventures. In quarter in and quarter out, that's what you go to first and foremost. You look at how that that those those three areas of the business are performing. They'll give you a great idea uh, as as to. You know how management's feeling about the state of affairs, not only today but over the course of the next five to ten years. And, and there's just there's so much good here that whenever you see that little hiccup, and I mean I think a good example is the, that ongoing litigation in regard to Catco. Remember that reserves for that catastrophic. Oh right, yeah, they had that one weird. Yeah, quarter. it was. And remember when the headline came out for that? It maybe was a year ago. It feels like it's been about a year ago now. And it was just it's an investigation into the reserves of this catastrophic insurance side of the business called Catco. When you look at the numbers, it's it's I don't want to say it's meaningless, but it is not the most important part of this business. And stuff like this happens in insurance all of the time. But it just my point is, you've got so many strong parts of this business, so much strength in other parts of this business that you could see even through this call. That Catco concern is is more or less been pushed aside now because they will resolve it, and it's not going to be meaningful to the numbers one way or the other. Markel is based in Richmond, right? Uh, yes. So I think next time, instead of Tom Gaynor having him come up here, we go down there. And then we work in a trip to ZZQ, which is a phenomenal barbecue place down in Richmond. Well, I mean ZZQ for sure. I mean, I don't even, <laughs> I've never heard of that. But you... It sounds like you're saying, you know what? Let's just skip. Visiting Markel, let's just go on a road trip. I mean, they're taking a, they're taking a lesson from Zillow there, right? <laughs> Going Z with the barbecue that's a, that's an attention getter. I mean, yeah, I've been to that meeting before, and and it, it's a really good one. Um, I, I mean, shoot, man, let's go ahead and get that on the <laughs> let's get that on the calendar. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, the Academy Awards were last night. Um, uh, Twitter, Amazon, Disney getting getting some shout out, uh, shouts out from the stage. Netflix as well. Um, interesting that um, I forget which. Uh, winner. Uh, uh, it was something that Netflix had produced, and um, Reed Hastings didn't get a shout out, but uh, <laughs> Ted, Saranda, Ted Sarandos. Ted Sarandos did. That's funny. Um, and uh, shout out to our friend Steve May and uh, the folks at Pixar for another another win in the animated category. It, they've got the Humanitarian Award at the Academy Awards, which is named for Gene Hersholt. I feel like another couple of years, they're just going to rename the Best Animated Film Award. They're just going to rename it the Pixar Award. <laughs> and just be like, um, but the other thing, we, we were talking about this right before we started, um, the other thing I noticed, having watched much of the Academy Awards, was there were a bunch of commercials. You know, we've talked all about the streaming wars, Disney+, Hulu, Netflix. Um, CBS getting into the game, Apple. There were a bunch of television commercials for um, Quibi, uh-huh. Q-U-I-B-I, Quibi, which, I, as I have since learned, is short for Quick Bites. And it's this: we're going to give you videos in ten minutes or less. And I'm not saying that the videos themselves aren't going to end up being entertaining. 
because there's certainly a, a, a lot of ways to do short videos that are very entertaining. I will say that um, whatever money they, the people at Quibi, Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg, who started this company, whatever money they're paying the advertising firm, they need to just stop right now. Because <laughs> as someone who watches a lot of video, their TV ads make me want to actively avoid Quibi. What was it? That, what I mean, it was just, it just uh, I, they were just, I don't know what they were trying to do, that, yeah. but it really should have just been as straightforward as, hey, you like movies? How about really short movies? Or I, I don't know. But this, it was so convoluted. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... Particularly, that... particularly by the way, it's, it's a slightly odd name, so you have to try and figure out, well, wait, what is that? And... Yeah. There's enough competition in the streaming space, which I'm sure they're aware of, but it's like the sooner, the, the more questions you make me ask in any business, in any business, the more questions you make me as a potential customer ask, the less likely it is that I'm going to spend time and money on your thing. I feel like we have a consulting <laughs> business in the making here, because between your observations of the advertising campaign here, and you remember last week, or maybe the week before, but we were talking about SiriusXM, and that led into the broader discussion of like companies that make you call to cancel services. Yeah. That's just a guarantee that I'm never re-upping with yeah. you ever again, because you're just making my life a living hell for like the 20 minutes that I have to call. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe there, I mean, there's some consulting, right? I mean, we're not the smartest guys in the room. I mean, maybe no. in this room we are. We're well, the only guys in this right. room. But I mean, like, they're executives getting paid millions upon millions of dollars. And it just seems to me that some of these observations are so obvious, yet they're not. They're either not making them, or they're just thinking, you know, maybe maybe it's just not the biggest bet in the world, so they feel like they can go ahead and take it. And if you know, if you lose everything, it's no big deal. But but yeah, it makes me wonder sometimes what goes on behind those closed doors. I, I will say I didn't tune into the the Oscars, and I I can't say that I tune into the Tonys either. But I want to give a quick shout out to Robinson uh, Secondary School here locally in Fairfax. My daughters go to Robinson. This is a seventh and eighth, and then high school. Um, this weekend marked the opening weekend for the seventh and eighth graders, the middle schoolers production of of Cinderella, and this thing is like Broadway Junior. I mean, you want to talk about award worthy? I've got one kid in the show, and my high schooler work in the show. This is Broadway Junior. I just. I, I'm I'm always impressed. Never surprised, always impressed. And I just wanted to give Robinson a shout out. The drama department, well done. They've got more shows coming this weekend. So any of you locals, any of you listeners who are local here, you may want to go check that out because if you're looking for award-winning performances, that's your ticket right there. Nothing like a live show. Nope. But, you know, on the flip side, I mean, those high school uh, drama teachers, they're paid so much money. <laughs> I don't think no, so. I don't not. think so. Yet they should be. When you see what they do, you immediately, as a parent, you're like, double that teacher's salary. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 